All right. I'm going to open up uh, with a quick prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning, and I, uh, we just pray, Lord, that your, your presence always be felt here, Lord. I thank you for all that are here. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless this time, Lord, and go through me, Lord, and go through uh, everybody here, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will just flow through this place now. I thank you for all that are serving. I pray for your blessings upon uh, John and Annie and those that couldn't be here as well, Father, Lord, that you would watch over, heal them, and bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. Well, let's go ahead and uh, open our Bibles to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> now, I- I'm going to ask this before I get started here, um, and I'll ask this with a show of hands even. Who here had a pretty rough week? Is that it? Okay, yeah. It's been a really rough week uh, for myself and a few uh, family members, other people in the congregation as well. So I'd like to think that this is a perfect, uh, a perfect book to kind of go through to, uh, to basically go over this stuff. Peter is writing to, to uh, Jews that were converted to Christianity, that were being persecuted, uh, killed, arrested, whatever the case may be. And uh, he was, uh, he's writing to these people as a form of encouragement. And uh, I, was re- I was led here. I was just like, wow, chapter 1 really sums it up for it all. Now there's what, four to, I think there's five chapters in First Peter. And I thought to myself, as, as I'm, uh, I'd, always, I'd always try to go somewhere to, to be led to a, uh, to a book to study from on if John could not make it. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, First Peter was awesome. And as I kept going on, I, I think I would even carry on with set, you know, chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5. Right, so that, you know, if John could not be here, I figured, why not uh, carry on in this book as I got to do it because it really just hits a lot of nails on the head. Chapter one really sums it up for a lot, and as as I've read through this book, it was just really encouraging for myself. I figured it'd be encouraging for a lot of others as well. As we know, Peter, uh, you know, Peter was one of the first apostles. He was a fisherman by trade, and uh, the one thing I kind of I guess I could say I like about Peter was uh, there's a lot I have in common with him. Peter kind of had a foot and mouth syndrome. (laughs) So, uh, you know, he got himself in trouble at times. And like I said, it sounds a lot like me. Um, But Peter, for the most part, as he's grown older, knows knows what it's like to to face persecution. And he knows what it's like to go through trials. He was also again, chosen by Christ to lead, uh, to lead people and to start these churches all over the place. So what he's doing here is he's basically writing again to, these, to the uh, Jewish Christians that were scattered due to hardships and, and uh, persecution. I'm going to start over, over here in, uh, let me see, First Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, Peter, an apostle of, Christ, of Jesus Christ, to God's elect strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, if I pronounce that right, Bithynia who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So here he is, again, writing to the elect strangers in the world, Gentiles scattered due to the persecution. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia, and all these are in the Asia Minor area of Turkey, okay, which is interesting. That's where everybody had scattered to, was this Asia Minor area of Turkey. For those of you that have been in the book of Revelation recently, as you've gone through the seven churches, all those churches as well are kind of in that region as well for whatever reason. That I don't know, but again, that's where 
the apostles and so on and so forth started a lot of these churches out there. So that's where these Jews that have accepted Christ ran off to to kind of escape this persecution, but they probably were continuing to go through it from you know, other Jewish believers as well as uh, Roman soldiers. So, who have been chosen by God, those being led by the Spirit for obedience to Jesus, and by sprinkling by his blood, and though we are chosen, we are still falling short each day due to our sins. So the, the blood of Jesus is our cleansing provided for us. In the Old Testament... Sprinkling, sprinkling of blood on someone was first used when Moses established a covenant in Exodus chapter 24 and also during a cleansing ceremony which could be found in uh, Leviticus chapter 14, I believe. Okay, so we have verse 3, Peter also using the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus as one, a perfect unity in one. Okay, so in verse 3. Sanctifying the work of the Holy Spirit was the work done in us to receive the Lord and counsel of the Spirit during a walk with Christ. Obedience to Jesus Christ, who knows best for our needs. Why? Because he's our Abba, right? Our daddy, Aramaic, language of, of, uh, of dad. The one who died for us, that we would show obedience to him and for the shedding of his blood. So then Peter starts his epistle with grace and peace be yours in abundance, which Paul also says in most of his letters to everyone else's you've ever read. So I, I find this interesting that peace and... Uh, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. See, he's writing to a he's writing to a uh, a Jewish and a Gentile nation here. Okay, now the two words grace and peace were always used between the two. Grace was typically you know said to one another in the uh, Greek culture, which was charis. Okay, and then of course shalom is peace. So here they are writing to the both to the to the Gentile to the Jewish uh, region. In both of these. So he's combining the two nice greetings to one another. You know, grace and peace be with you. Charis in, in Greek is uh, grace and, of course, shalom for peace. Those were the two things that the Jews would always say to one another as passing through the street. As we would say, like, good morning to one another, how's it going? That was their way of greeting one another. Grace and peace be with you. Grace or peace. So he's combining the both of them. I think that's pretty cool. It's a kind of a nice way to, uh, nice way to say good morning to one another, right? I've had uh, many different ways of people saying hi to me that weren't so nice, but <laughs> I've uh, I got to say, by reading this, it's comforting. So uh, Peter's writing to, to Jewish Christians and Gentiles, just as Paul did, and he, combined, he combines these two great greetings for one. Okay, so having, having grace from our Lord, we will always have peace in our hearts and in our spirits, right? So that's the first thing he's wanting to do, is give, give that, uh, to give that introduction of the two things, grace and peace. I want you to feel that as I, you know, as I say hi to you, grace and peace. Verse 3 to 9, it says, praise, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have to, you have, to have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though, uh, though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
So we have verse 4, the inheritance that could never, uh, never perish, spoil, or fade. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. I'm going to uh, turn real quick, if you'd like to turn with me, to Psalm chapter 16, verse 5 and 6. kind of gives a slight uh, illustration of that. If my wife doesn't mind, she hates me turning to places at times, so. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Psalm chapter 16, verse 5 and 6. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, and surely I have, delighted in, I have a delighted inheritance. So here we have, again, Peter reminding them of the things that are, that are to come. Okay? You are receiving, you are receiving an inheritance. In my Father's house are many mansions, Jesus said to the apostles, and I go there to prepare a place for you. And that's all we need to hear. But the Lord reminds us again, giving us a sense of excitement. Can you imagine what, we, what he's preparing for us, as he says? He tells the apostles, I am going there now to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. Can, we, can anybody here close their eyes right now and picture any of that? I, I mean, I've tried. I really tried. And I've got a, most of you that know me well, I've got a wild imagination. And uh, I'd like to think that I could actually close my eyes and picture such things. I can't. As best, as best as possible, I cannot, I cannot do it. And it's, it's such an excitement. It's a sense of excitement. Verse 5 and 6, through faith are shielded by God's power, the shield of faith and the armor of God. Verse 6, in this rejoice for a little while, you may have to suffer griefs and all kinds of trials. Who knows this better than Peter? Okay, now I'm going to go back here a while back of how Peter would know that. Do you guys remember when uh, Jesus went to Peter at one point and basically said, hey, I just thought you should know that uh, Satan has asked for permission to swift, to swift you like wheat, if anybody remembers that. Now, he didn't just walk up to Peter and say, uh, you know, he didn't try to candy coat it for him. He's like, hey, Peter, I just thought you should know that the devil's going to come and roll you and take your wallet from you, you know, so don't walk down this alley over here. No, he wants to swift you like wheat. How's that done? That's typically done with a sickle and, and chopped right in half. And that's exactly what Jesus was warning him. Satan has asked to completely do you under. I just thought you should know that. He has asked for permission. He does this. He does this to all of us. He asks for permission to mess with each and every one of us. Right now, that's why I asked. Who here had a hard week? <laughs> you know, who, who here has had a hard week as of late? And, and Peter's reminding them that, you know what, the, the, this kind of stuff is going to happen. He reminded it in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, in verse 5 I believe it was, that uh, uh, beware of the enemy for he walks around like a roaring lion waiting to attack. And again, Peter knew this and he's, he's letting him know again, you're going to be going through these persecutions and you need to stay strong. You need to be, you need to be having your focus on the Lord. So, again, wearing that, wearing that shield that we talked about when I first taught in Ephesians on the armor of God is very important for, for everybody to be wearing, to be using. So Peter making known that we are going to go through things, so shield your faith. Shield your faith with it. Okay, he's painting a big picture for us. The, the picture is heaven with Christ there to greet us. That's really what he's doing. He's sending a warning here 
but he's painting the big picture on the end of it. Okay? Again, try to imagine going up to heaven when our time is up and having Christ there to greet us and to hear those words, well done, thy well and faithful servant. You know, I don't, I don't know if I would hear that, <laughs> you know, but I would love to. And I could just almost picture such things as I, as I try to close my eyes and meditate and pray on, pray on these things that, of, of, the, of the picture that, that Peter is trying to paint here. As we remember Paul the Apostle as well in the past, he got a glimpse of it. Remember he was stoned to death at one point outside of a city, completely crushed, killed, gone up to heaven, got a quick glimpse of it, and all he really did was tease us with it. You know, as he came back, he said, what I had seen there and heard there, the things I had seen and heard there were, would be a sin for me to even mention. And my thought is just like, well, gosh, thanks a lot, Paul. <laughs> you know, can you give me something, give us something here? Uh, you know, Revelation gives us a little bit of it, which is, again, hard to fathom all of this. But Peter's actually painting a really nice picture here. Okay? He's heaven with Christ, there to greet us. Verse 7, these have come so that your faith is greater than gold. Our faith is more precious than gold. Now, gold is one of the most durable materials that's out there, but it, it still can perish, right? Even though it's one of the most uh, uh, durable of them, the prettiest. Gold refined through fire, just as we are at times. You, know, you guys also remember John the Baptist saying that, uh, you know, I baptize with water, but there's one that's going to be baptizing before me through uh, fire and the Holy Spirit. Now, my high school group and probably some of my college group that I teach knows this word in the Greek of baptism. You guys remember that? Yeah? No? <laughs> I'm not going to make you repeat it. There's two words for, for baptism in Greek. As I told my wife, if you want to remember the word, there's two words, baptoidsmo. Okay, interesting, two words. And I've always told my wife in a joking manner, remember peptobismol. Okay? That might help you a little bit with with the word to remember that. Bapto is more a baptizo, is the, is the shorter version of it. Now, there was a reason of this uh, of, of, in the Greek. That's what I appreciate about the Greek. My wife also teases me about me and my words, okay? Because I, like like, I like to use and look at the Greek words because they have specific meaning to them. It's not just a word, but there's an actual meaning to it. And I'll tell you why. The baptism, bapto, to dip, Idsmo is, is the emerging and changing process. As I've told the kids and the people before, it's like when you, when you dye an Easter egg and you, you dip it in that dye, you hold it under it as it comes, it emerges in all these beautiful colors, right? Well, that's exactly what it is, the representation. Okay, baptoidsmo, to dip, to emerge, and then to change, to, to watch that changing process. Who here has been baptized before? Raise a hand. Okay. Has anybody ever seen the face of somebody after they've been baptized. Have you ever, have anybody ever recognized that? When you look closely at that, Larry, yeah? You, you, after somebody has come up from the water, I've had the opportunity to, to be a part of that. Baptized my mother-in-law, my brother, and, and a handful of other people, nephews, and, and it was such an honor. But as I've watched other people do it, you see that. You see the emerging change as they come out down from the water and then they come up. It's, it's leaving the old man, the old woman behind down there and then you're coming up as new. But literally, you see that change. You see that smile. You see a, a different look on their face after, after the process. Okay, I want everybody, next time you see a baptism, without even mentioning it, watch. Take a look at that. Watch it from a distance. Watch it up close. To look on somebody's face as you see them emerge. Okay, that's, there's truth behind it. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I remember a long time ago, the very first baptism I got to help out with, 
Um, Dave and a lot of us were probably there. There was a lady that had come into the church by the name of Helen. She came in for the first time. She, she had, I think, one or two weeks to live. She was dying of cancer. And she, was, she had come in, uh, brought in a request, uh, a prayer request. And I was up there at the stage playing drums with the guys. We're just kind of jamming around. And she kind of smiled and nodded at me and handed a prayer request to John. And as we read it, it was just like, oh my gosh, she's got one to two weeks to live, but her, her last request is to be baptized. Came into our church out of nowhere asking for this. Like, wow, really neat. So sure enough, she showed up. We, we decided to hold it at my house and uh, baptize her at our pool. Her, her, she had one or two daughters that were supposed to show up with her. And um, I'll never forget it. She showed up. And... Uh, she showed up, and we're standing outside, and, and we're praying. As we're standing outside of the pool, we're all in prayer. And I kind of had my eyes open at the time for whatever reason. And all of a sudden, it, it was a little bit cloudy. And, and the sky opened up. I kid you not. I'm not making this up. I joke around a lot, but I'm not making this up. The sky opens up, and, and a beam of sun starts to shine on her as she's, as she's sitting there smiling as she's waiting to be baptized. And I nudged the guy next to me. I was just like, look at that. You see that? And he's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I kid you not. She was, the sun was shining radiant on her with a big smile on her face. And we got to go in there. We baptized her. I, got, I have the pictures, too. I have the pictures of her, you know, before and after. Big smile, the whole works. Her name was Helen. I think I might have seen her one time after that. I don't remember. But that was the last time her daughter was supposed to show up. She came by herself irregardless, knowing what she needed to do. And that, was, that was great. It was, it, was, it was beautiful. And I wanted to share that with all of you, again, of, of the, uh, um, the power of, of baptism, the power of Christ, and the, and the changing that he has uh, for us, and the meaning of it. Baptoidsmo, again, if you can remember that. <laughs> or baptizo, and, and the meaning of it. But Christ refines, okay? He baptizes through fire and the Holy Spirit, okay? John the Baptist says, I baptize through water, but there's one coming, coming after me that's going to be baptizing with such things. Baptizing in the fire, all that is, is people wonder why do we go through, through the things that we do, okay? Well, we're more precious than gold to him, right? But yet gold is refined in what? Fire. Gold and silver refined in fire, thrown in the fire for a certain amount of time, as the refiner twists and turns and keeps it in there for a certain amount of time, and the reason being is it's a cleansing method. It's a, it's a purification method. After the cleansing, after the gold or silver is, is taken out of this really hot inferno of an oven, the refiner stares at this, and he basically knows that it's finished and it's perfect until he could see here was a reflection in it. So when the, ref, when the refiner can see his reflection in the gold and in the silver, he knows that it's ready. He knows that it's complete. That's what this means, I think. If anybody questions or wonders why, why, do, why am I going through what I go through? Why do I go through the fire? Okay, that's it. It's a, re, it's a refining period. He puts us through it. He puts us through it so that way when we're taken out, he's going to see his reflection in us. That's the importance of it. And again, I, everybody here that's thinking that why does this happen to me, I question that all the time too um, with certain things or with friends or family. Why does this happen? Why, why are we going through this? Whatever it might be. My wife even asked it too. When, uh, why, why did I get cancer? Why did this, you know. That's all I could tell her is that you were refined. You were going through a refining period. Okay. So remember that. And I want, as I shared that with her, I share that with everybody as one family.
We're being refined by fire. He, di- he dips us. He emerges us. He sees his reflection. It's complete. Verse 8 and 9. Though we have not seen him, we love him. Okay, that's the interesting thing here. Who here with the kids? Uh, us kids. Or you remember asking that or your children. Who here has ever made a comment of like, well, I can't see him. How, how's he there? How's he there? Anybody's kids ever asking that question? Just about everybody? How come we can't see him? Something my dad told me was a, as a kid, because I asked that question. I can't see him, Dad. How do I know he's there? Well, son, it's, he's like the wind, right? You can't see the wind, but you feel it. You know it's there. And it's just like, that makes sense. You feel him. You feel the Holy Spirit. You know that he's there, but you can't see him. And I, uh, that's how you know it's the Lord. And I've got to tell you, at times, most, a lot of you know that I do landscaping on the side. You probably think I'm nuts because I'm out there in July having to do it at times. And I'm doing it out there in the heat. I'm ready to pass out. I'm ready to be done for at times. And there would be times where I'd be like, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And all of a sudden, a nice gush of wind will come out of nowhere. And whew, thank you, Lord. <laughs> that is him. That is glory to him because I, I, he knew what I was going through. He knew there's other people out there doing the same thing. And, and that is him coming through, saving, saving us through weather and just keeping us strong. That is him. We cannot see him, but we know he's there. We feel him. He's in our hearts. I've prayed many times over things, miracles that needed to be done. Um, I'll share those with you later because I've got a handful of them, and I know other people too that have gone through things, that there is truth behind this. He gives us the desires of our hearts, and, and he loves us. He's there for us, and he just... Uh, as we can't see him, he wants us to feel him, okay? And as we do, as I felt it, I felt it here, listening to everybody here singing these Christmas songs out loud. I just, I felt the Holy Spirit here, and it pumped me up a little bit. Because, again, this isn't the easiest thing for me to get up here and do. As you could tell, I made announcements, and I completely messed that up. <laughs> but the beauty of it is, is the fact that, like, I am ready for this. I am ready for this. I heard the singing. I felt the presence of the Lord, and, it, and, and he gives us the power and the ability. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. You know, so I'd look up at the sky and say, thank you, Lord. And here Peter, Peter's reminding them. You know, there, there's, when telling somebody about the Lord, you know, some people like to, to preach about the, you know, the fire and the brimstone that might be coming their way, right, in order to get their attention. You know, I'm a little more easier going. I, I kind of prefer to kind of remind people of the inheritance that they're missing out on more than anything. Okay? That does exist. But, again, this is what Peter's reminding us of. There's an inheritance here that, that Christ has for us. Um, Peter didn't basically just say, hey, you know what, you're going to burn, baby. It's over. <laughs> you know? But he, he, he gave him the bigger picture. He painted the bigger picture. We have an inheritance we have, we have a glorification. There is salvation of our souls. Let's read verse 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was, that was to come to you searched intently and with great care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing. When he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. So in verse 10 through 12, 
Peter is speaking of prophets of the Old Testament, seeing the glory of Christ, but not exactly knowing it. Now, in those days, uh, in those days, things that were ancient or deep-rooted was valued more than something new. So they knew of the new covenant, kind of, but they stuck with what they knew and believed. Okay, King David, as we you know, we read reading Psalms at sometimes, had a vision of Christ. Okay, there was a there was a couple indications in there of a vision of Christ that King David had. Now, did he did he know of it? Probably not. He was just like, okay, God, I have this vision of of what's to come, but I'm going to uh, go ahead and put it in here as you as you told me to. I'm going to turn real quick to Isaiah chapter 53. This will actually give it a uh, this is a perfect illustration of. Old Testament prediction. Now, if this doesn't uh, if this doesn't hit the nail on the head, I really don't know what would. Isaiah chapter 53 in verse 1 through 10, I'm going to read. It said, "Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance." that would, uh, we would, should desire in him, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from, the, from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed." We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the, uh, to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he, had, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his, uh, the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And the rest of this chapter explains it all. So if, if you want to mark that down to read the rest of it as well, this chapter, again, was written long before the coming of Christ. We also recently did a uh, study in the book of Malachi at my house. Malachi, also the last of the minor prophets, uh, that, that also spoke of the coming of Jesus Christ, spoke of the coming of John the Baptist as well. Malachi was written 400 years before the coming of Christ. So he, again, here's Isaiah writing this stuff, having this vision. I mean, doesn't that not explain everything that Jesus went through? I mean, just pretty much perfectly. I can just... Isaiah having this vision of the Lord's beating, thinking like, well, I don't, I don't know who he is, but you know, God's giving this to me, and I'm going to basically, I have to write this down. I have to send a message. Same thing with Malachi, 400 years before the coming even. He's basically perfectly sending the message of, of the coming of uh, Jesus and John the Baptist and, and what happened there. Verse 12, he speaks of angels, longing to know what, what we do and what we know. So angels, they're just servants sent by the Lord. And at times they protect us and they probably observe us wondering why God, why God chose us to be a part of, of his family. 
But they don't question. They just serve them, right? Angels. Strictly servants of, uh, servants of God, servants of God's people. I used to work, uh, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I used to, work with a, uh, used to work with a guy that, he was not a believer. And he, uh, I thought he was crazy. The guy lived all the way up in Prescott. And he drove down to the valley every day to work. And he had a, uh, he had a young daughter in college that was, um, she would drive like late at night. And she was on her way home, uh, driving across a bridge, and she fell asleep at the wheel and ended up hitting on the bridge, hitting a, like a divider to the point to where she could have gone completely over. Well, the car didn't go over, but all of her stuff did. Like a bunch of her stuff out of, went flying out of her car, um, you know, miscellaneous uh, books, CDs, so on and so forth. So I was talking to him uh, two days after it happened. Him and I went to lunch, and he was just like, yeah. He goes, I went down there, and me and my wife are down in the wash, and we're picking up all of her stuff, were, were, you know, her calculators, expensive stuff, and it was all down there in the wash. And he was just surprised that the car did not go over. Okay, and I'm like, well, yeah, that is, you know, he explained it to me. I was like, I'm kind of surprised myself. And then he said, yeah, well, the weirder thing about the whole thing was is when I went up there, right exactly where she hit was a card that was left on there that said, Guardian Angel, I love you on it. Yeah. That's all it said, and that's, all, and that's what he said. He picked it up right exactly where she hit coming from a non-believer on top of it. And I just I smiled, and I'm just like, well, what do you believe? Well, maybe. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, was, it was an opportunity. Some people don't like to be preached to. Some people don't want to hear it. You know, but I, I kind of wedged my way in there a little bit. I was like, do you have a Bible? He's like, yeah, it sits on our, sits on our mantle. <laughs> it's got a lot of dust on it, though. I was like, well, dust it off. And I want you to read through it, and I want, you to, I want you to read through it, and you'll get maybe some understanding of this. It's real. Yeah, they're real. And I, I hope to this day that it's just like, man, my, you know, his daughter gets into an accident like that, should have died, should have gone off the cliff, gets a sign of that matter. I, I think my eyes would be opened a little bit. At least I'd like to think so. So speaking of angels longing to know what, you know, why? You know, they're observing us, and they're, they're like, why? Why are, why are they chosen? <laughs> you know, they have no idea. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Us, who have the Lord. Um, if you want, I'll turn there real quick uh, to Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to give a, an illustration real quick of a perfect illustration of what the angel's response was to, to John. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 9 through 10. It says, Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who were invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who, told, who hold the, to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So here's John, the apostle, up there in heaven explaining the book of Revelation, seeing this angel in the, in, in the writings and falling to his feet to worship this angel. And the angel's probably stepping back like, what are you doing, man? You know, get back up. You know, pull him by the shirt type of thing. You know, maybe not, but he's just like, whoa, 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 you are, you know, I'm just another servant. I'm a servant with you. You know, and that, that's, that's a perfect illustration of what they are. As we read through the Bible, the things of the angels... Okay, um, 
that's, that's really all it is. They were, they were sent by God in one way, shape, or form as, as servants in the very beginning of Genesis, who's basically guarding the, uh, the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned. It was an angel that was sent to guard. Um, it was an angel that, uh, that came, to, uh, came to Mary to, that represented that, hey, you're going to have a child of a, of a virgin birth. It's just... Um, that's what they were. they were. They were the ones being sent to minister. They're the ones being sent to, to serve. And, and yet they're up there thinking like, why, why them? <laughs> you know, and isn't that cool that they could actually look at that and, be, and question that? And I, I'd like to think that that angel hit it on the head. It was just like, it's God's salvation. That's why. I've seen it. It's his salvation of why he chose all of you. And, and again, as we meet people. Um, as I've explained to the college group and other people, that we're going to run into people that have been through many different things in, in life that have been, oh, the worst of the worst. Paul the Apostle, right? What did he explain himself? And in First Timothy, he was telling Timothy, I am the worst. I am the worst of all of the, uh, the saints. Uh, I am the least of the, all the apostles. And then he says, I am the chief of all sinners. And that's when God says, now I'm going to use you. Because he said, I'm, you know, I, that's exactly what he was. And look at, that, look at how he was used. All of the apostles, ordinary people for the most part, every one of us, for the most part, ordinary people. You got me. Piece of work in one way, shape, or form. God uses us all. He uses every one of us in one way, shape, or form. And, and, and that's beautiful. Peter, another reminder to us, to not just to those being persecuted and those being destroyed, a reminder to us to this day. And I'm so glad I got to read this to you, because again, these are times that are tough. As we go through these times of economy, through these times of heartbreak, of, of, of the things that we go through, it is a very tough time. You know that, that, what is it, during the holiday season, as we're approaching Christmas right now, that, that a very high suicide rate happens during the month of December during this time because of the depression rate. Go figure, right? I'm sure the enemy is loving this part. You know, oh yeah, right there by Jesus' birthday, I'm going to start, I'm going to throw the bowling ball right down the middle and knock everybody over. It's exactly what he's looking to do. And really during these holidays, it's even tougher and, and the devil knows it. He really knows that. And, and it's a, a preparation. It's a reminder that, yes, you're going to go through these things. You're going to go through every one of these things. Some of you are going to go through worse than others. Okay? But it's time to pick one another up, and it's time to shield one another. It's time to pray with one another, strengthen, admonish, through the word, through prayer, through everything that it is that Christ instructed us to do, that he, that he basically gave to the apostles to, to give to us, as we're doing today as we teach the word of God to other people. And it's not, again, just about teaching it, but more so than teaching it is showing it is what he wanted, is, is for us just to, to read it, understand it, and then most of all, act upon it, show it. In verse 13, uh, 13 through 17, Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, yet you're hopefully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conf confirm to the evil desires you had when you lived in ig ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And since you call on a Father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. 
So be ready for action, self-controlled. Sober-minded, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy important passages that he wanted him to uh, teach as Paul, Paul was a mentor, mentor to him. And he left him with great instruction on how to be uh, as a leader, pastor, elder, so on and so forth. Just as Titus did, or uh, Paul did to Titus as he left him on the island of Crete. Just went through that with uh, my college group. So his instructions were to be self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his family well, see his children obey him with proper respect, and must uh, not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil, and goes on, and it goes on from there. Okay, so very important stuff. It is these things that he's basically saying to, to continue to practice in order to continue continue your walk in strength. You know, do not be, do not uh, raise up a recent con uh, convert, for he could become conceited, just as you know. Is Satan. Where, where did all that come from in the beginning? Where did, where did arrogance, where did the sin of arrogance come from? I really believe it came from Lucifer right in the very beginning because he was up there basically thinking he should be in charge and he gathers others to go with him and, and, and uh, follow him in this act of uh, craziness. How that happened, I have no idea. But as we know, the beginning of sin happened in the, in the Garden of Eden. Really deep down as we think about it, the beginning of sin happened up there when Lucifer, the angel of light at one point, is up there saying that I should be in charge. Come follow me. I really, it really began there. So Moses said, I saw him fall down from heaven like a bolt of lightning. So he's doing his dirty work here on earth now. And he started right there in the Garden, garden of Eden. Be ready for action, self-controlled, sober-minded. It's, it's important for us to be doing at all times because we're open for attack and, and we're just, uh, it, it happened. It happened this week. It's just amazing the things that just, uh, that, that have happened. But yet, uh, glory to God is what I'll be preaching about. Some of the things I'll tell you a little bit about it in, uh, in a little bit. So be holy for I am holy. Christians, Christians are not religious, right? That's not what it is. We're not religious. Christian stands for what? Christ-like, or little Christ. We are to, we are to be Christ-like. We're not, we're not a religion. We're not, a, uh, we're not of a church building that, that represents something that you know, shouldn't be. We are strictly to be Christ-like. Be holy for I am holy. And why? Because he, he came to be the example on earth for the three years in his ministry. He was here as an example to show us exactly how it was. And I'm thankful for the short amount of time and the impact that he had. If he hadn't come, well, then we'd all be in trouble. Verse 18 through 21. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. So we know it was not perishable things such as silver and gold that we, that we were redeemed. It was, it was unfortunate that Judas Iscariot fell due to a small amount of silver, right? We all know the story there. Betrayed Jesus for, for practically nothing. Betrayed his savior and then having to die a very nasty death on top of it. So verse 19, it was it was the precious blood of Christ who who was without blemish or defect. 
Now, in the days of the Old Testament, as we remember, animal sacrifices were the ones that were being used um, for the cleansing of sin. Okay, you could read about that in Leviticus chapter 22 if you really want to get into all that stuff. There's a lot of hard to, hard to understand, you know, rituals in there. But what it was in the beginning was a sacrificial animal had to be the firstborn of a male flock completely without blemish in any way. Okay? It had to be, it could not be blind. It could be, I mean, there's just so many rules to it. I can't really name them all, but... It, the bottom line is it had to be the firstborn of a male flock and then sacrificed, and then basically the, uh, the sins were forgiven through the blood of that sacrificed animal. Well, what was Christ, right? The Lamb of God, the firstborn of, of, of a male flock, completely perfect without blemish of any kind. Interesting, when people hear the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God, it sounds harsh, but that's exactly what it was. No longer is Levitical you know, practices having to be done through animal sacrifices. It was done through uh, salvation of Jesus Christ. He was revealed in these, in these times for, for your sake, and that's us Gentiles. God's time is perfect. And so again, as I mentioned, he, he prophesied this in the book of Malachi. We heard it in the, uh, in the book of Isaiah. And the word of God continued after his resurrection and bringing people to heaven, or you know, 2,000 years after the fact. That, that's awesome. It, it's great. It's, it's so powerful. Verse 21, God raised him from the dead and glorified him, just as Christ said, through, through Christ we believe in God. And after his death on the cross, the earth shook. The centurion guard, guarding Jesus and others around, were terrified and said, and said surely he was the Son of God. It was through Christ that the soldiers guarding him came to believe. Now, the only thing is I wonder is, did he give his life afterwards, right? Remember, you remember on the cross when uh, Jesus was on the cross and you had the two other guys next to him and one guy's kind of uh, stirring the pot a little bit and making fun? Well, actually, they both were. But then after a while, the one, the one thief that was next to him basically just said, it came to mind, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and says, why are we, wait a minute, why are we doing this? Why are we making fun of him? This man has done nothing wrong, but yet we, we deserve to be up here. They put him on this instrument of death that they used. I mean, this was brutal practice done by the Romans. Now, the cross itself was designed by the Persians, you know, a.k.a. Iran. Originally designed by Persians, used by the Romans. As we know, as they nailed your feet and your hands to the cross, as you're up there, the blood flow from your brain goes completely down to your feet as your feet and hands are nailed up there. And then on top of it, you know, he was, he was flogged 39 lashes with a, uh, with a, vicious, uh, a vicious whip made of, uh, oh, what was it, bone, little pieces of bone and lead balls. He was a mess. He, he should not have survived that. But yet he makes it up there. And he's up there, and they're still making fun of him. And yet the guy next to him finally realizes and says, Lord, when you enter your kingdom, will you remember me? And everybody remembers. He looks to him and says, Assuredly, I say you will be with me today in paradise. Isn't that comforting? Right before he took his last breath, he was able to say that. And here's this, I bet there's this soldier. I mean, not, there was, there's probably a lot more that could have been written down. I'm just trying to imagine this. Here's this soldier down there watching this whole thing, probably hearing hearing Jesus and this guy speaking to one another as he's forgiving him. He's up there. 
the guy's probably wondering too, how's this guy, how's this guy still alive? Nobody typically ever survives a Roman flogging. You know, on top of it, it's still able to carry a, I want to say it was a hundred and some pound cross on top of it. How's that possible? Afterwards, the earth shakes, ground opens the whole works, and then that's when the Roman, the Roman centurion realizes that, oh my gosh, this surely is the Son of God. It's the power of Christ. Now, Peter claims to have been, Peter claims to have been a witness of it, even though it doesn't uh, state that. In uh, the books that we've read in, um, you know, like Luke and John, we know that John was right there to witness it. But Peter says uh, in First Peter, I think, in one of the other books, that I was a witness of Christ's suffering. So I believe it was believed that he was watching this whole thing from afar, probably. It seemed to have been Peter's style. <laughs> so, but he, he says to have been a witness of the whole thing. Verse 22 through 25, as we wrap this up. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So Peter's reminding us of what Christ commanded. Love one another as I have loved you. John chapter 15, verse 12. Okay? And, the, and the two greatest commandments of all, as we probably remember, what are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all heart, mind, and soul. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? I'm going to go one more time to flip here. If you want to flip with me, read th- I'm going to go to 3 John chapter 5. I mean, I'm sorry, Third John, verse 5 through 8. There is no chapter 5. Dear friend, you are faithful in, in what you are doing for, your, for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from, pag- from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. Okay, so that's a letter to his friend Gaius on, on his acting of love to people. And as we're born again through, through the living and enduring word of God, you know, why love each other deeply? We're children of God, which makes us a family, not, not of man of perishable seed, but of the word of God and a God of unconditional and unfailing love. And then, and then Peter again just kind of nails it, reminding us of what we are and what we're going to kind of become all men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. Grass withers and flowers fall. And that's true. We are, we are like grass, and we'll only last for so long. You know, During our existence, we will need the living water of God to stay healthy in our walk, but our time is limited. We've seen that out here, right? Grass, what does grass do if it's not watered? It dies, it withers. Flowers, all the above, it withers. Again, I know this because I do landscaping on the side. Um, not to use them as parables, but it's easy for me. During the wintertime, what do we do out here? We have to seed our grass, right? We have to fertilize it. If we don't, it dies, it, it withers. Same thing with the flowers. It, it goes dormant and then it eventually dies. That will happen. Physically, that will happen. Okay, but, but we need to be encouraging one another and strengthening one another, but most of all being fed. Being fed and watered, just like grass and flowers do, 
we need the same nourishment, we need the same things that go on in order for us to be surviving in this world of cold. Right now it's cold times, just like it is literally with our weather. The cold destroys the, the, the grass and the flowers. Okay? Cold times will destroy us as well. If we're not being watered, if we're not being fed, if we're not loving and showing the care that we do for our own grass and flowers, should we not be showing each other the same type of thing? That's, that's the question. And I think that's the reminder of Peter, of what he's, of what he's showing here. He's just like, man, I... I've got to tell you from experience, I've denied the Lord three times. Something about the number three. I denied him three times. Jesus had to ask me on three different times, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? <laughs> you know, it's like, man, third strike, you're out. But not in this case, right? Not in this case. It, it was, Peter knows. He knows firsthand that, yeah, I, I, people mess up. I mess up. And it's his grace and mercy that allows me to write an, imp an important epistle to people to, to strengthen and admonish, to raise up. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13, the words of Christ. I am the, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. It's all we need to remember. He really is the only thing to look forward to. All that we have here will wither away, but our place will be with him in, in eternity, right? Remember this. This is what, what I kind of got out of this, a really, short, a really short meaning of this, of what Peter's reminding here, especially towards the end of this chapter. Eventually our hearts will die, but our souls will fly, and we will live with them forever. Amen? That's the reminder. Through the hard times, through the good times, let us praise him. Let us, let us praise him together. Let us pray together. I'm going to, again, the last time I taught, uh, as, as we're up here worshiping, I'm going to open the floor again. I want us to, for every, anybody and everybody, come up here and pray. You know, come up here and pray for anything that's going on. I don't, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. I want to I hear it. I got to tell you, we, I'm going to tell you one quick story before I close here that some of you are aware of. This uh, Friday, Mimi and Brandon were in a small car accident. Um, a lady had rear-ended rear -ended them near a parking lot. And thankfully, everybody was safe. She called me up and said, hey, we're fine. Um, we got rear-ended, but we're fine. That's all I was told. I'm like, okay, where are you at? I head down there. So I get there, and I, my mind's going 100 miles per hour. It's like, was this person drunk? I'm, you know, oh, man, I'm, I'm ticked. I'm, you know, the whole works. I, I had no idea. So I get there, and it's in an in-and-out parking lot. So I show up. I see her and Brandon are fine. I see a fire truck there. But then I see the, person, I see the people that hit them. It was a young girl, seven months pregnant, with a three-year-old child in the back and, and the girl's boyfriend. The girl's crying. She's bawling. She's driving the uh, boyfriend's father's car. It was an older car. Um, and she just, uh, she just seemed so remorseful over the whole thing. And her, uh, her parents came. I'm sorry, his parents came. And uh, the dad's like, you know what? It's, hey, it's all right. These things happen, so on and so forth. So cop takes our information, takes their information. And then after the fact, uh, we got to engage in conversation with them, with all of them. And we were talking with the parents. And then right towards the very end, we're just like, hey, can we all pray together over this? You know, and they're like, oh, gosh, yeah. They're, the parents were believers, too, which was neat. Yeah, let's do it. 
we gather around one another and we, we got to we got to pray for uh, we got to pray for each other and one another and the situation. And then the grandmother takes me aside and she goes, "Can you uh, can you pray for my grandson?" They were in another car. They're on their way to Utah because uh, the boyfriend has a, a a child from another mother that lives up in Utah. And she just said that my my grandson is uh, got to go back up to Utah and it's killing me. He looked like he was barely two years old. His mother is a drug addict and their family situation is not good up there. And I, I, I'm worried sick about him. So could you, could you pray for him? I was just like, oh, of course. And the little two-year-old asleep in a car seat. I just, I grabbed his hand as he was asleep and just, I got to pray for him. And the grandmother was in tears. And, and the outcome of it was, was something hard, something scary, something that really put the icing on the cake of a bad week, turned out to be something that glorified God. Exactly. Amen. That's what we said. And it was it was it was wonderful, and and they were just like, hey, we're you know we live out in Globe, but we live in Mesa too. We're looking for a church. Our uh, both of our pastors passed away recently, and I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. And uh, uh, Mimi gave information, and and so we got to hug one another and leave one another, and I'm hoping that they'll show up because I just said, hey, I want to hear. I want to see again. I want to hear the praise reports of your grandkids and your kids and everything else that's going on. The heck with this little car situation. That's nothing. Everybody's safe. Everybody's fine. It was the glorify God that day. It was the glorify Him. And I'm so thankful that that it got to happen because I got to come up here and teach this today. That got to go hand in hand. I don't. Again, I don't know what everybody's going through, but through the good, through the bad. Come up here if you want. Let's let's pray one by one as Luke comes up and does worship, um, like we did last time. Want to praise him for the good, want to praise him for the bad, want to ask for all of the things above. Let's go ahead and uh, close in prayer. Father, Lord, we, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this, for this morning, for, for the things that have happened, Lord. As Peter said, we will face trials, we, we will face things. And uh, the glory is the to God. And Lord, that we would continue to be strengthened. May we strengthen uh, one another as a church. May you be strengthening us, Father, through the Holy Spirit. May your word be taught. May your spirit be felt. May we love one another, strengthen one another through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.